Hey, what's going on? It's Doug Cunnington here, and welcome to The Doug Show. In this episode, we're going to talk to Marty McLeod because his site is making, or at least his sites are making around $5,000 plus per month, hence the the mention of a $150,000 site as far as a 30x monthly multiple valuation, so that's pretty cool. You probably, hopefully, remember Marty from his other appearances on the show. So he was all the way back, I had to look this up, episode two and then episode 21. So if you haven't heard those, I highly, highly encourage you to go back and have a listen. Those are success stories um, from back in the day, but it's cool to listen to people's success stories over time. So in this case, you can hear what it was like when Marty was making a few hundred dollars per month and how excited he was. Now he's making a lot more than that. His site is a few years old. He has a couple sites that we talk about and we talk about content. We talk about link building. He's quit his job in the last few months and all those sort of things. So really cool to follow along with Marty and hear his story. There's links in the uh, description and show notes so that you can check out the podcast episodes. There's actually video of these interviews as well. So if you like Marty, like you, like I like Marty, then you'll want to check those out as well. We also got a question that I'm going to answer at the end. Uh, Mike, longtime uh, friend of the show as well. Mike asked about um, building more than one site in the same niche and then some of the other details around that. So we'll answer that at the end. And before we go on, I do want to mention that my course, my premium course, Five Figure Niche Site, is open for enrollment. If you are listening to this episode in the time frame of like January 13th through the 17th of 2020. So I, I launch the course every now and then. And you may notice that I've, I'm publishing some of these success stories from students to maybe encourage people listen to the show, but they haven't pulled the trigger yet to uh, check out the course. So there's a link in the description. If you happen to be listening to this episode in the future, I launched the course um, four different times a year, each quarter. So typically it's like January, April, July, and October. I also have an evergreen funnel in place. So if you're not signed up for the email list, you can sign up for the email list. And then when the time's right, I will offer that to you as part of my whole automation sequence out there, which I can probably talk about someday. It's kind of interesting to have an evergreen funnel in place and market things via email. I enjoy that kind of thing. So anyway, I'm going to send it over to the interview with Marty and I will answer some questions at the end. Hey, what's going on? It's Doug Cunnington here, and I'm with Marty McLeod. How are you doing today? I'm really good. I appreciate it. And Marty's a, a longtime friend of the, the show. He's a student in Five Figure Niche Site. He's done some writing for Niche Site Project. And Marty and I actually got to uh, have a meal together, uh, shake hands, and meet face-to-face back in Atlanta. So that was a pleasure to meet you, Marty. Yeah, um, Super cool to like finally meet you in person after many hours of just chatting and interacting and that sort of thing. So very cool. Before we dig into it, I like to just get to the 
uh, amount of money that you're making. So people are like, should I listen to this dude or not? So can you share um, some of your recent earnings and kind of where you're at uh, just ballpark range? Yeah. So I need to be sure to, as since I'm running ads now, I have to mention both things. So uh, October was my highest point of 2019 and it was, it was like 4,100 something dollars for just for Amazon earnings between my two sites with majority being my main site. And then uh, last month, that month and this month, I got over like $1,100, $1,200 in ad revenue on top of that. Okay. So roughly 5000 per yeah. month or so. Okay. Yeah. And we'll, we will back into some of the other details, but one thing that was surprising, you and I were chatting just before we hit record, and I think you may like you probably should have made more in November and December. You didn't have any traffic issues, but you were you were doing some A B testing, some conversion rate right. optimization, exactly. and that impacted your earnings, right? Yeah, there's I mean, because the whole thing is you don't know what's going to help and what's going to hurt you actually carry it out. And it was also multiple pages. The top it was on the top 10 pages. Therefore, it definitely those are the highest traffic pages there's going to be a negative uh, effect that's going to come out in lower earnings, but it's, that was temporary. And the whole goal was to have them uh, work on it and find out what works and what doesn't and uh, get back on track as soon as the three months or so period wrapped up, you know? Sure. Okay, cool. So that aside, you didn't have any algorithmic issues or penalty. It's just a thing that was going on. And we'll, we'll come back to that later because we're, uh, we're telling you non-linear story in a extremely non-linear way, sure. just, which is totally fine. So <laughs> for the people that don't know you, can you let us know uh, your profession, um, kind of your history? How'd you get into niche sites and that sort of thing? Yeah. So uh, I'm an Auburn grad- graduate, Auburn University, and my background is electrical engineering, my degrees in that, but I've also done electronics, embedded systems, and code for electronics electronic boards my last job that's what i did full-time and i joined your course somewhere around midway uh of 2017 started my first site at that time and i believe my first one i got it rolling in i think it was june or early july of 2017 so we're somewhere over two and a half years or so for the for the main one and then just a little bit less time for my second site uh and it's been a progressive thing. And as of uh, before my birthday, July of 2019, I hit my goal where if I wanted to, I could leave my job. So I thought about it, hard decision, but all the signs pointed to yes. And so September was my last day working full time. So awesome. I'm just, I'm free now. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. I know, in fact, I was just talking to someone today and they were like, is it everyone's goal to like quit their job? It's a younger guy, younger than us anyway. And he's sort of like at the beginning of his career, a, a lawyer, in fact, so a professional, very intelligent guy. But he was like, ah, you know, is everyone just trying to quit their job? Um, and I, I don't know. So it depends on each individual. I wasn't trying to quit my job, but I eventually got laid off. Like when you guys started with this stuff, Marty, were you thinking, hey, I want to quit my job? Or you were like, hey, this is fun and interesting. Oh my gosh, yeah, I was with a burning passion. I wanted to leave in engineering, it's, which is unfortunate because originally it was something I really liked as a hobby and learning on my own. But it wasn't too long after a couple of years of working professionally, I just felt so trapped. And the having to change jobs and living in different cities just to get more money and 
feeling so trapped, I, I just very, very passionately wanted to finally get free. And when I found out that was possible on the internet, other people doing it, that was amazing to me. And that just fueled the fire even more. So that's how I got down this path to begin with. Okay. And how many years of engineering work did you have under your belt at that point? Uh, probably, gosh, let's, let's see. That's 15, 20 or something. Okay. Gotcha. So it's, it's kind of funny from like where I I have a similar degree, computer engineering. So we, I took a bunch of double E classes. I got into management consulting because maybe I wasn't um, as good of an engineer (laughs) or something. I'm not sure. But what I observed was number one, when I looked at people that were like 15 years ahead of me, I was like, well, I don't want to do that. I'm like, if, if that's the goal, that doesn't seem right. And then the other part is like long hours. Um, even if you did really well, you were looking at pretty small bonuses. If you got one at all and very small raises. So I see you nodding, but like, can you describe you know, like your situation? And then how, how do you feel when you have a job where you're like, I'm smart, I'm accomplishing a lot and then I'm not getting rewarded for it. Uh, That's very discouraging. And I mean, that's, that's, that alone is not great. But a lot of times when I, my first experiences were that I had that plus also I had other things on top of that. Like my opinion doesn't count uh, burning out from repeatedly working on late hours, working on frustrating technical stuff and on some, on some weird design and I'm stuck with it and just hating it hating the work. So it was a, for me, it was a number of things, but that, that, that is definitely a big factor because I can look back now seeing this is possible to make some even more money than I ever would as an engineer, which is crazy because this is actually more enjoyable. It's easier work. Uh, that's, it's fascinating that you get rewarded for your, for your being motivated making your own decisions, win or lose the payoff can be huge as opposed to engineering work. Oh yeah. Just like you said, so, and just only a few jobs were any kind of bonuses available at all. And, you know, cross your fingers, you might get it just a tiny raise if, if anything at all. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's ridiculous. And then we'll move on from us complaining about the corporate world. But basically, um, I remember actually most of the companies that I worked for, they're like, oh, yeah, if you come up with a great idea, maybe you can get a patent. Um, but the company owns it. So you get like maybe a tiny bonus, which is nowhere close to the value of the patent. Sure. The company may be able to push the patent in a certain way, but like when they were telling us about it, I was like, Oh yeah. Like you get all this recognition, but like the payoff is like nothing Mm. overall. So I don't know the whole, the whole system's broken. I don't know. That's going a little too far. There's a lot of hard stuff about what we do. Um, the cool thing, right at this point, you make your own decisions. So how challenging is that to figure out like what to work on, how to do things and so on? Personally, I think when you're a beginner, it can be kind of hard, but when, once you've got the ball rolling and you've got a better understanding of things and you've got more experience and some success, I think personally, I feel like it becomes more clear and it becomes easier at this point. It's just mostly that I have had a good work ethic when I was doing it in my spare time. So I built that those good habits. Now it's just more of the same. And then I, I, the more I learn from other people too, I begin to get a clear picture of what I should be spending my time and effort on. You know, or I like to use the word resources because it can be a lot of things: time, money, blah blah blah. Sure, cool. It's easier though, I, I feel like. 
Awesome. And I think we'll move more towards like the nuts and bolts of your site. And first off, uh, how many sites do you have? I do have two. Uh, I have my main one. Uh, I was, I, you could accuse me of being a slightly overambitious when I started the second one. Somebody recommended to do it, but it was a good idea because it was a little bit, it's a little bit extra money too. And now I can grow that site, which I couldn't do before. I had to focus, you know, decide where to spend my time before. Okay, cool. So you have two sites and how old is each one? So yeah, the first one is the one is I think it's roughly two and a half years. And the other one would be about two this point. Yeah. Okay. So you got, you got the other one started pretty quick. Um, just six months in probably to get some age in there. And you, you were thinking, Hey, why not? Yeah. Later on that year, once I, uh, once the first one or <laughs> it's been such a long time. Uh, I, I had asked somebody about, things and he said well i got another affiliate marketer who i know uh, and he suggested that i do that and it happened to be a uh, something that was used to be a hobby and part-time job i had before i got out of college my hometown or when i worked in my hometown part time and uh so it was an idea i thought well i can start the side and if i if, if it doesn't work out that it's okay so my main one uh, it was almost biting off more than i could chew at the time so uh, that's why i tend to caution people now about doing that you know yeah no one believes us, but then um, after they do it, then they end up yeah. realizing that it's too much. I have at least three or four sites that just sit there. They're aged, they're years old, but like I still haven't gone back because at some point it's just, it's kind of, it's work, right? After you do something for a while, it's work. And I'm like, I could like go to the gym or go walk outside for a little while instead. So I usually do that. Yeah. Maybe I'm lazy. So, well, for that initial site, we'll just focus on one site for now. And then I may pepper in some other questions about the second site. But for the first site, um, are you making the majority of the money from that one site? I calculated that roughly 91%. So just to say 90% about that. Cool. So perfect. We'll just focus on that main part. How many pieces of content are on the first site and how did the content come about? Uh, I just hit post number 100 about a week and a half or maybe two at the most. I'll go just finish up some more product reviews. So I started off with the 10 sprint of 10, like we, you recommend in your course. And then just went from there whenever I could I just had to do the best I can. I was just limited free time. Spent most of my, most of my weekends where, uh, especially starting off, I was much slower at writing content because I wasn't very good writer at the time. So it took me a long time, but I, uh, let's say we get out on a good month. I could get out four to six, maybe depends on what kind of post and until I got more faster and then I can get, might get two or three on a weekend. I had to do a lot of it on the weekend you know, okay. or, or at night. Cool. And during this like period of time, you're working what, like 40 to 60 yeah, hours well, a week. It was definitely at least 40, you know, and sometimes I'm stay late at night. Well, I would I should, I mean, you're not supposed to, but every once in a while, I squeeze in working on my site at work. <laughs> oh, yeah. <gosh. laughs> yeah. No one watches these. So I, I, so I never, I never did that. Cause I, I was doing this on the side as well. So I never did that, but um, I did work remotely. So I always had like a second laptop or whatever. So if I did personal stuff, cause I was like, I want to make sure I'm not doing anything on my work computer. Um, I don't know if you did that. Don't answer it. But basically um, 
yeah, like if you work remotely, usually you have a lot more free time and um, you, you actually went into an office though every day, right? Yeah. Okay. And from, well, we'll keep focusing on the, on the site. So you have about a hundred pieces of content. So I think this is a good, good point. Cause I often, I literally just answered a, a question today. Someone was like, well, how many pieces of content do I need to make say a thousand dollars per month? And you know, some people may say 300 posts. They, they have like astronomical number of yeah. uh, words, but um, you're saying you had a hundred pieces of content and that is basically making you, uh, if I do the math right, like $4,500 per month, roughly. Right. Okay. And I would argue um, potentially, right? We will never know because we can't go back in time. But I think if you didn't do the CRO testing in November and December, like your earnings would be like oh, yeah, um, yeah. A, a lot higher. So yeah. more like 8,000 per month, if I just had to estimate. So, um, yeah. So from your observation, you don't have to have as much content. You have a hundred pieces. Can you tell us a little bit about like how you format it and um, how long it is images, all that kind of stuff? Um, so, so honestly, sometimes mine are too long, but it's just because I honestly try so hard to put in some really good stuff. But basically, uh, they might easily are about 2,000, 2,500. Let's say, let's say for, let's use the, the example of a buyer post because the info post is a different case. I'll, I'll be there. Uh, it'll be 2,000, 2,500, and I'll have a lot, uh, have sections with the general content like what is this product? How does it work? What does this do? What is the best? Yada, yada. A lot of those I, uh, I have in there, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. I, I start off with an intro table of contents that's very clear and easy to click on. And then I go into the general content section and then I have my product tables, if it's a, say, best X for Y post. And then I have my detailed con- product sections after that. And I basically, each one of those is, all my posts are very similar to each other. It's that general layout, for example, for a buyer post. And you could say likewise for a single product review or an info post. You know, I have a general similar style that's fairly consistent. Okay, great. And as far as like images and stuff like that, for example, I see you have some lighting set up behind you. So you're taking some home, uh, some images yourself, right? Yeah, definitely. So I got an uh, inexpensive light light stand or a couple light stand sets from eBay. And I got some, some good bulbs, which is another learning experience. And uh, for single product reviews, my niche, it's my main niche is, is fairly competitive. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of sites up there. It's for some reason, it's one of the ones that's a lot of people think of first. <laughs> so I needed some kind of advantage. And I, I think I heard like Stuart Walker or someone like that mentioned one time that they actually buy the product, take pictures. And it, in a lot of cases, uh, part of this was I couldn't find good images from the manufacturer or whatever the case might be. There might just not be any out there. There's something I really, I really wanted to dig in and say, what can I do to set my, my site apart? And so I said, okay, well, why don't I give a shot buying one of these and I'll take my own pictures. And I started off with just my old, my old Sony camera. I used a phone I used to have. The camera was pretty bad, but I made it work. And people responded well to that. And then I thought, well, I'd like to do an even better job. So I got some lights, light stands, and you got a little table. And I could take little pictures of the products, and I take very detailed products. Now I have a better phone, much dramatically better camera, so I can do even better and not have to edit it quite as as much, you know, fix it. And it was mainly trying to 
be a, a step ahead of, uh, above the other guys because of the one of competition. They don't care about quality at all. It's, all they do is put out garbage. They're just trying to get your clicks. I really want to deliver uh, what people are looking for and answer their questions. Is this good or not? And then I wanted to also make it do it in a way that looks, makes my site look authoritative. You can trust it. So that, that it makes a huge difference, you know? Okay. Do you have any other tips for content or making someone's content stand out? Yeah. You know, I, because I've seen so many different sides by this time. And after having changed the way I, I do it now from when I started off. So there's an article on your website about secondary keywords. So that helped me a lot for getting, making the content longer, not just because I'm trying to fill it in with something, but it's a, it's a, it's a section. I'll take a, a secondary keyword and use that to make a section of content that actually contributes something to your reader. That gives me, that fills in that, that necessary space if, if say it was going to be very short otherwise. Uh, but generally I try to lay things out in a way where it's easy to read, easy to find where you're going. If it's just information, there's a table of contents, there's clear H2s, each, everything sectioned off. It's not too long, break it up, make it you know easy to keep up, especially on your phone, uh, on a smaller screen. And then product related stuff. I make it easy to find what I recommend uh, easy to know what to click on, a call to action, either a link or a button, whatever it may be. Good pictures as much as possible. Things like that, you know. Okay. And it's funny when you mention it, it a lot of it just seems kind of obvious, but like when, when you're in the trenches and you're thinking, I need to publish more content and you have a big list of keywords, people can get overwhelmed and overdo it, underdo it. Like all the things that you mentioned it's not necessarily trivial to, you know, find a solution for uh, like tables or the table of contents or et cetera. So with that said, we'll sort of move on to like link building and stuff. So as far as link building, outreach, promotion of your site, what work have you done there? Uh, so the last time we spoke, I think you had asked me something like that, but uh, basically uh, I had done what was recommended in your course and then I, some, some guest posts. So because that was, that's been an area where I've been really lacking and I kind of felt unsure about it. I had actually just finished uh, Matt Diggity's course where there's a whole section about a huge section about outreach. So I'm going to be implementing that pretty soon. I mean, that's, that's the best answer I have right now because there was so much that I didn't know. And now I have the information about how to take the right approach this time. Um, I, I plan to, start doing outreach on my own pretty soon and try to do as good of a job as possible. And some of the examples I'll learn, you know. Cool. Um, at this point in time, how many like guest posts or backlinks do you have to your site? Uh, let's see. Cause that's actually part of one of the house housekeeping things I have to do is get everything documented clearly. Um, uh, uh, 35 or 40, I guess at this point. Or something. Okay. Not that much, not that much. I'm probably really forgetting a lot. <laughs> you know. Sure. Oh. <laughs> okay. So you have a handful, a couple dozen. So it's yeah. pretty um I think one thing I want to emphasize is outreach can be hard, right? Especially when you're first getting started. Um, but also you don't have to have that many um like per month. 
So you've been at it for a couple of years or so. If you just get like one guest post per month or one link per month, over time that adds up, you know, that's 24 in a couple of years. If you, you know, try a little harder, you can double that, you know, if you're trying to get a lot of links in a short period and do a campaign. And I know a lot of people are just in a rush, but if you just step back, take your time, it's not so bad. It's not as intimidating, but there are other people who are like, you know, I'm sending out a hundred emails a day, which I hate getting those emails, by the way, I mark them all as spam, everyone, by the way. So when you're sending them out, they're being marked as spam a lot of times. Um, so I also want to, number one, I'll mention, I should probably get Matt on, on the show so we can talk about his, his course and stuff like that. I haven't talked to him in a while. Um, but I guess I'll just ask you, were, um, were the techniques in five figure niche site, like not sophisticated enough too boring? Were you having trouble with conversions? Like where's the gap between like Matt's course and his outreach? Um, well, for example, uh, I hope I can answer this question appropriately. Uh, I see very well. Um, so, and there's actually had outreach specialists who created that information, not Matt in this case. So they had, you know, they had everything from uh, examples of outreach emails to data and uh, percentage about cover, typical conversions. And I think it was just the specific information that's probably. I won't, it, that doesn't mean that uh, what was in Five Figure Niche wasn't good. It, I'm not saying that at all. Just that this was like, oh, I hadn't, gee, I hadn't seen these numbers before, or here's some other ideas that I hadn't gotten before. Cool. Uh, and somebody, somebody who actually works in that business, uh, in this case, this was uh, Ninja Outreach, people from Ninja Outreach, saying, here's what we do to show you, you know, like that. Gotcha. If that makes any sense, honestly. Yes, it does. So it's like a little more data in there. And yeah, I'm not necessarily trying to defend it, my course, but because I, I know the stuff works. So yeah. I'm, I'm comfortable with that. Um, however, there are many different ways to present information. Right. Um, funny story. I know the founder of, or the one of the original founders of Ninja Outreach. So mm-hmm. it's a small world. I know he sold it. Uh, wow. they, they sold her. He got bought out or some kind of situation like that. Um, but anyway, yeah, crazy. I need to catch up with that guy too. So you're going to sort of refocus on link building and why, why were you, I guess, hesitant to put more effort into it previously? Um, well, uh, this goes back to, and a lot of what I talk about is, is based off where I was before, because I, it was until just recently I was still, I was working full-time job and even spending late nights sometimes. So I had such limited time. You know, I'm hard pressed to decide what I'm going to do because let's be honest, when your site is, well, one thing was my, my site was gaining momentum and organic traffic rising gradually. So I said, well, I just want to keep focused on putting out content, especially when I was having a lot of the, uh, using a KGR and a lot of the low competition, um, keywords posts were ranking without links. It happened quite a few times. So that, that is kind of what it says, well, maybe you can put that off until later. And it was kind of a case like that, you know. Okay, and, and part of it honestly was me not feeling too confident about how I would go about things. I, I, I can honestly say that I had a lot to do with it, you know. <laughs> okay, and you are not alone. I've been doing 
success story interviews this week with students. And generally, it's exactly what you said. So it's over and over again. It's like, I know if I spend um, X amount of time or money on a piece of content, I'm pretty confident because I've seen the past results that it's going to work out. But there, there's a disconnect between the guest posting, even though I prescribe in the course to, to follow <laughs> along moving forward. Um, at best, people will do you know what you did, maybe get um, 30% of the 30 to 40% of the links um, as compared to the content. Generally, I'm trying to get those to go like one-to-one. So you do a sprint of uh, content, sprint of link building, but um, a lot of people just don't, they're like, ah, I, I got a couple links, nothing happened. Um, but the cool thing is after someone does some link building for a little while, and by the way, I think your 30 to 40 uh, guest posts out there probably like are very good and are helping your site. Like I think there's some baseline once you reach that, you're probably in good shape. Um, but I'm sure you've looked at some competition where content subpar, um, everything subpar, links outstanding, and they have a lot of them. So you, you're not, and you've seen that out in your, in your competitors. Yeah, sometimes disappointingly so. <laughs> That's yep. yeah. And and I find um, like I had uh, some experiences where it was like you know people have poor content, not much content, but a ton of links because that's what they're good at um, versus having a lot of content that is high quality um, with no links. And I think somewhere in the middle, I don't know where, but there's some balance where you have a little bit of this, a little bit of that. So I try and just like mix it together 50-50 as far as resources, time, however you're classifying like your efforts. So with that said, do you have any specific goals on like links or guest posts or whatever moving forward? I, but basically that uh, I want to do the, the foundation uh, as far as uh, one thing I, I learned from got the, the, the idea from uh, here recently was that I should have been tracking very closely my anchor text ratios, my links, all that. And that's where I really messed up in the beginning. So I don't just want to go out and do more, but I want to do it the right way. That is a major goal. Those those two together because those are you know interwoven. Yeah, definitely. Very good. And so there's no specific goal of like X number of links over the next year or anything like that. No, I didn't have a number like that yet. Okay. Question. I have to think about. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't know. I mean, most of the time it's like as many as you can get, like basically. But um, one one thing I've I've been like talking about a little bit, but I haven't tried it number one um is to be like a guest on podcast which you're kind of doing right now but like there's a lot of podcasts out there and if you could be an expert in a specific area you can get links from you know plenty of different uh podcasts all have websites maybe you get a little more name recognition and someone else asks you to be on their podcast but um have you ever thought about doing that do you think you're in a place where you could do it i swear that john Dixtra had mentioned that and I heard that was a really good idea. Yeah. That's, that's, I thought that it, that turns on a light bulb. (laughs) That's cool. I kind of had to kind of wanted to before I thought about it, but I didn't act on it. I said, Oh, nobody be interested in me, but maybe I should actually look into it. Yeah. And I think like what, what I would do for a pitch, you can try this, let me know if it works, but um, you know, you, you've been, 
featured as a guest poster on a few different sites. Probably at least three are significant, like bigger sites, right? Like you could say, Hey, I've been featured here. I mean, I've been running this blog for a while and I'd love to be a guest and talk about like one of these two topics. And probably, you know, if, if the people that you can say you were featured on like their blogs, if they're reputable enough, people will probably like go for it. Um, at least, at least chat with you to see if it's a good match. Um, there's podcasts on like every topic or, or you could even do like YouTube videos, but I think, um, podcasts may be more effective just because it's an actual, like do follow link. Yeah. And from my perspective, like if you actually land a guest post, you have to write a guest post or have it written and then rely on them to publish it. But usually podcast, a little more streamlined. There's not necessarily as much noise or effort. You just have to talk for like 30, 40 minutes, something like that. So, and you've written all the content, so it should be a no brainer. Um, any other details on like link building or your experiences with a promotion? Uh, no, I think that's all I really had about that. Okay. Did you get into like any Pinterest or other kind of social oh, media sorry, type stuff? I did. Uh, actually, I was just thinking the other day. So I did. I hired a Canadian lady on Fiverr, uh, somebody who had, a, I think it was, she was a level one or a level two uh, service seller on there. And uh, I, had, I had hired her one to two months to do great pins and, and run that for, for my uh, my boards and what have you. And I was thinking to go back and hire her again because it was only, I think, $50 a month. Okay. I may have to get Tailwind now because the trial ran out at the time. But uh, that's, I, st- I still get emails and see where people were interested in, in the pens for my sites. You know, depending on what the topic is, obviously the niche. But okay, how much traffic were you getting from Pinterest while you were that was running? You know, uh, I th- I think it could have been five to a couple thousand a month. I, you know, I really had to go back and look to give me some hard numbers. Okay. Cool. That's pretty good. I, I've tested um, Pinterest a little bit and it wasn't clicking for me. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure of the issue because I've talked to some other people kind of weird niches and like they're doing really well with it. So I think like it can be hit and miss. Maybe I was doing it a little bit incorrectly or something like that. But um, I, I know I've been told many times Pinterest is a search engine there's an algorithm behind it. And I know that over this past summer in 2019, a lot of people had a reduction in traffic from Pinterest because they adjusted their algorithm. So See. did you hear about that at all? Uh, no, I vaguely remember something to that effect a while back. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't in, in my particular case, cause I, I know other people have had much more success. I don't consider it like a primary thing that I would make put above other stuff, the basics. I wouldn't do that. It's just that, uh, I, you know, it's nice to try out and see how it works out for you for a while and then decide, right? Cool. So you quit your job. So I think that is cool. And um, that is an impact <laughs> that the website has had on your life. But what other impacts um, has just like starting the site, growing, you're, you're learning and all that stuff? Where are you at? Oh, as far as impacts or yeah, impacts. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's 
I feel a lot, I'm a much happier person and I'm not stressed out. And I noticed, like you said one time, I kind of started chilling out and I and don't have to move around as fast when I go do stuff. <laughs> I can take my time more and I've, I, I'm like much more at ease than I used to be doing the, the routine. And I'm so grateful when I go out and I just go to run in here and I see how bad traffic is, what people have to put up with every day. And what's also interesting is, What's interesting is what you don't expect is the additional stuff that comes from hitting a, 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 a big change or goal like this in your life. It's that it opens other doors because when I started making enough money to leave my job, it's kind of like other ideas start popping to your head and you start thinking about other opportunities. And, you know, I went to Chiang Mai to learn more from people there and be around people like myself and others. And so I never would have thought about that before. If I hadn't, if I wasn't in this and hadn't got to this point, I'm sure I wouldn't well, I probably would have. I probably wouldn't have had either the uh, ambition, the motivation to go, or I would sell myself short and think I, would, I couldn't do this. Mm-hmm. But once you re- reach a certain level of success, it's. I like to think it builds on itself, and it. You, I think, like I think you spend in other areas, not just in money. Don't always think about money. You know. Yeah, and actually, like going back to the the corporate um, jobs and, and our old our old lives, basically Um, there's like an artificial ceiling of how much money you could make. So you mentioned earlier, like you can make more doing this working less leisurely. You can go grocery shopping or to the gym in the middle of the day or the middle of the night, whenever you want. It really doesn't matter. You can do whatever you want. Um, But like I was looking at, people that were ahead of me 10 or 15 years and they were, uh, there's no way I was going to make over $200,000 a year. Like even if I like did everything and like sold my soul and like did everything, there's no way that I would make more than that. Um, and I just can't imagine like having that artificial limit anymore. So do you have any thoughts on that? Am I, yeah, off base. Yeah, that no, that I, that, that makes so much sense because I kind of, I kind of sometimes think ideas go through my mind, and one of those was I noticed that, you know, when I started off, I thought just getting to a hundred dollars was going to be, I, I was going to be lucky to do that, and it, it kept going and kept going, and noticed that just like you said, other people, because uh, for example, I so met Matt Digney in person, and he told me his, he just briefly told me his story. Now look at that guy; he's killing it, and it's just a matter of. uh Proving to yourself that you can do it, and once you do that, you discover, hey, you know what? What? There's nothing really stopping me. I, I've gotten gotten this far. It's just a matter of just doing more stuff. You know, keep going. It awesome gives you the. I think it gives you the mindset as well as confidence to accept that you can do more and that you deserve success. And there's therefore there's no really nothing stopping you. As opposed to we grow up here in the United States sometimes thinking, well, you know. Only, only the lucky people make a lot of money or get to win the lottery. You know, it's such a closed mindset. It just doesn't, you just don't really fathom that you can do all these amazing things and make this amazing, crazy amount of money until, yes. until you get exposed to these ideas and, and good role models and what have you. Yeah. And do it yourself. Yeah. And, and like, I think that's a good point. Like if you're around a bunch of people who number one, don't have any idea what you're talking about, or you're trying to bring up the idea um, and they you're like, shoot it down and poke holes in it. 
Um, in fact, I didn't even talk about it much until I was like doing pretty, pretty well. So even my, a lot of my friends are a couple years older and, uh, very successful in their corporate gigs and all that stuff. So I knew I had to like bring a good story to them. But, um, so at, at that point they were like, Oh, you're make that's good money. Like that's a, you know, a car payment or replacement income or whatever. They're like, Oh, I could appreciate that. So they didn't give me too much shit, you know, but, um, if you're around that and you don't have like a community, you know, like our, our Facebook community, or even just like on YouTube comments, like we all kind of understand what's going on. And then you went to the, the Chiang Mai SEO conference. Like what, what was that experience? Like all like-minded individuals, right? It was like really refreshing. And there were people, not everybody were, not everyone, a lot of them were SEO agency people, but there were a lot of affiliate marketers as well. But everybody was just uh, very upbeat and forward thinking and very motivated. And they, you could just kind of tell that everybody there um, had, was uh, motivated to be successful and do great things. It was really, it's like, how can I say, you know how you, when you go to church and you feel better when you leave? It's <laughs> 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 like, a good rough talk on you. Yeah, it, it's, it's good. Uh, a good uh, environment to be because there's a lot, unfortunately there's a lot of negativity out there in the world today that this says you can't and this is exactly the opposite you know very cool good for you i think um it seems to be a pretty good conference i've talked to a couple of people that have gone and it's pretty big now right yeah sells out too sold out oh really and do you know how many attendees were there Oh, it was the big conference room in a nice hotel. So, uh, man, I guess it might be just a few thousand, maybe. I, I can't remember exactly. I'm not sure. Oh, okay. That, that's even bad. I was going to say like, you know, thousand or something like that. So you yeah, think it's maybe it bigger? Something like that. Um, okay. But it was fairly full. It really was. Wow. I may have to, do, do you have like a favorite speaker or two that you saw? Um, it would be impossible to say I had a favorite, but uh, because there were so many good people. Uh, unfortunately, Matthew Woodward didn't get to speak. I heard he get, got bit by a mosquito and got sick. So, uh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> I really liked, uh, of course, Matt. Matt gave a very short presentation at the very beginning. His was really good. He's already talking about testing and data and uh, cool stuff like that. And Kyle Roof was there. Uh, I knew already knew, I was already familiar with him some, but he had more examples of uh, keyword optimization uh, and how Google was an algorithm that. that Left a big impression on everybody. It was really interesting to see what he did. Um, Jonathan Kikebush from uh, SEO Butler had a really good one about having a team and having people work under you and systems and things like that. And gosh, there's several more I'm sure I can think of too. Cool. Hey, well, it's nice to hear a lot of those names um, just because I, I like kind of know them a little bit or know them pretty well. So um, yeah, that's, that's fun. I'm glad you got to quit your job in time, head out. Um, okay. We'll, we'll sort of transition into a couple quick hitter questions here. Um, mistakes, any highlights of mistakes that we can get into here? You know, thinking back, I think I wish that I didn't spend time on the wrong things as for example, um, sometimes when you're a beginner, you get these flash in the pan ideas about I'm going to, spend all this time on these colors or I'm going to do this certain crazy thing that's, that's cool looking, but the truth is they don't contribute to the bottom line. And that, that is 
getting more content out and getting in, in increasing your visitors account and more traffic, aka to get more money. Spending time with stuff like that, time and money, I might add, for things that don't live up to promises. When I regretted that a lot, um, the shiny object syndrome was kind of sort of, I guess it's not exactly the same, but you know, putting my site down and then go to go playing around with drop shipping that doesn't work out. And I've squandered two, three months. That was one of the biggest, biggest regrets I ever had. Sometimes it's not that you can't do something at all. It's just maybe you need to put it off later until once you've got the first thing working, stay focused and keep working on something because especially this, because these are so, you have a very high, uh, uh, very high odds of succeeding, you know, Mm -hmm. um, also, uh, I, you know, I bought money. I spent money on like some themes that were supposed to be better for Amazon conversions and all this, and turn out they were crap. <laughs> so, and then I ended up having to do everything over again. And I was at the time in the rain, so I learned to spend money on better tools with a good reputation and a good user base where possible. That's that's a good piece of advice. You know, don't always believe the promises. Start off with something that's good enough, and you can go from there and do great things. I think that's some of the bigger ones. Um, when I started off, also my content was pretty poor, pretty thin and weak. And I went back later and had to redo all of it. So I wished I had taken a, a writing, a small writing or copywriting course before I did my first couple 30, 40, whatever post that would have been started me off on a much better foot and saved me some work time. Yeah. That, that's a good one right there. I think. Yeah. Good. Great tip on that. I mean, I, like you're an example of like spending the time on, on the content, making sure it's high quality and then it's paying off at the end versus I actually hear from a lot of people that almost never students, by the way. Um, but they will publish a lot of content. It's clearly not good quality because they're paying like $5 per yeah. 2000 words or something, but definitely not good quality, maybe spun or just straight up plagiarize. But um, other writers like Christy, other people I've interviewed, Evan, like they're writers by trade. Like that's what they do. Um, so I think it's a huge skill. I think like you, eventually, um, you, you wrote a lot. You got better at it. You were trying to get better. You took a copywriting course, I think, right? Yeah, to learn from you, Demi. It was only $12 when I got mine. Yeah. Good, you know. Awesome. Yeah. So I think like if you can, if you have the writing skill, that's great. It's a good advantage. Um, but if you don't, it's not like super hard. It's just like anything else. You got to practice, you got to try to get better, maybe take a course. You could probably watch like 10 YouTube videos and get like a lot of value from that yeah, too. That's, that's true. Actually. It's good. That's a good point. And I'll, we'll get into it just a tiny bit, but you had another issue with hosting, which we're going to talk about in a whole other episode, but can you give us just kind of the brief overview of your hosting debacle? Yeah. So, uh, actually this, and man, that's another, another lesson came out of this, a couple of them actually. Uh, so the week before I was leaving for Chiang Mai, uh, my side ground accounts were expiring and I wasn't going to renew because so WPX hosting is advertised as being faster. And uh, so I was in a rush to move all my sites over to the new hosting company for, that was new to me right before my trip. And I got it done. We got it sorted out. But then later I had problems, a lot of issues. And I, I wish I had gone about things very differently. Yeah, definitely. 
Okay. And um, yeah, like I said, we'll cover this more in depth in another episode. I've had my share of hosting issues, but quick note, I love SiteGround. I'm an affiliate for SiteGround. Um, I have several sites there. You eventually went back to SiteGround, right? Yeah, I sure did. I was, okay. yeah, as soon as I went back, everything's cool. Again. <laughs> <And> <laughs> yeah. It's, hosting is rough because it's like, it's pretty easy um, when everything's going fine, but if there's any issues, yeah. um, it's, it's really important to have like someone you could call and like get good support. Most of the time it doesn't matter. Like you, people can set up, like I bet you and I can set up a hosting company like today, by the end of the day, we could probably like buy a reseller account or set it up on Amazon, like web services or something and like just run our own service and anyone can do it you know it's like pretty cheap to do but um yeah that's support that's what you pay for that's the important part yeah, so definitely. yeah so true I'm, I'm glad you got your sites back up and there's nothing you can do and and you had you were time boxed with your uh flights and everything and then just quick sidebar can you just tell the story of like your um the passport stuff that you oh, had. yeah that that was another big thing and this was the same amount of time so it was like was a, boy i tell you that what a fun month that was yeah just a couple of days before my trip i went and got my uh, i keep it in safe place storage i went to get it out of the storage room and i could have sworn it didn't expire till 2020 and i looked at it and it, it expired some time back <laughs> so and i only had a couple of days before i flew out on the following uh wednesday at lunchtime so uh, I didn't know what to do. I was panicking. And it turns out there's an expedited service. It wasn't cheap, but you you can uh, do an expedited, uh, send your stuff to them. And they can go in place of you in person and renew your passport. And uh, I did that. And not only that, I actually, one lady was really nice. And even though it was going to come back in the morning of my flight, which is, let's be honest, that's just cutting it way too close, especially driving downtown Atlanta. She was really nice. and even bumped it up the day before and I got it the day before and I was going to go, but wow. take my advice, check in every once in a while on dates and stuff. I tell you, man, <laughs> that's, that's crazy, man. Yeah. And I like, we haven't done any international travel um, in a little while. We, we've had a dog um, for, for years and stuff. So we typically, and we're like codependent. So we don't travel overseas that much anymore like currently. Um, but yeah, my passport expired, but my, my wife and I roughly had around the same expiration. So like last year, we weren't planning on traveling anywhere, but we were like, let's get them renewed. We'll get it taken care of. So we got plenty of time. So ours are good to go. Everyone set a reminder for your passport. You don't <laughs> want to be in that position. What a stressful week you're working on hosting and a passport. I forget what else went wrong. Something else was going on too. Yeah. It must not have been that bad. I didn't die. So <laughs> yeah, you made it through on the other side. It's totally rude. He's got better. Yeah. Okay. So for other people that want to replicate your success, do you have any tips, any quick tips? Uh, well, if they're not already a member of your five figure niche site course, I, I do definitely recommend it um, because I like to point out to people. There's a lot to, making an affiliate site and making money, but I, I, I can't stress enough how the fundamentals are what make it, make the wheels turn, you know, uh, like the keyword research is 
especially these days, you'll find what I found was in a lot of so many niches out there. There's just so much competition, and to a to an absolute beginner at first, once you understand how it works, you say, "Wow, I'll never be able to do this." But if you have a low competition keyword approach, keyword code ratio is a good rule of thumb to help you pick keywords. I'll, some very good things are possible. It's possible to succeed even in a moderately fairly competitive niche. It is, and you'll just uh, fall. You'll have a you need to have a good plan and consistently take action. Don't sit on your behind. You have to make sacrifices sometimes. You know, I gave up going out and having fun or taking some short trips and this, that, and the other. Even one, my second side, actually, I had so few vacation days in my old job, but I only had my, one that year that I started that site, I took all seven of my vacation days. I, all I did was write content for my second site when I launched it. That's all I did. But, but I was willing to do that. That's sometimes that's what it takes. I, it's short. You're paying short term for now for long term gains. So it's okay to. It's going to be tough for a short amount of time, but just stay dedicated, and you'll be glad you did. You know. Well said. Thanks a lot, Marty. Appreciate your time here, and um, yeah, everybody, look out for future interviews. And if you have questions, you can leave a comment or you can shoot an email to feedback at doug.show and we'll, we'll route it to Marty. Maybe we'll answer it over um, the, the next interview. Be happy to. I'd like that. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks again to Marty. And like I mentioned in the interview, we got to meet in person, have a drink, have a couple beers. So that was pretty fun. And I believe um, you could probably see Marty if you check out the YouTube video, right? The YouTube video out there for the Atlanta meetup in the recap. So there's a, a little bit of him. I think he's eating a burrito or something like that. So you can check that out if you want to see him watch me talk. So that was a weird way to pitch that video. I'm not 100% sure when that'll be published, but it'll be out there. So if you are interested, you can see Marty. He's like in the background of that video, which um, is, I mean, the video is fine. The audio sounds pretty good. We'll see how it goes. Um, I'm not sure if anyone will enjoy that, but I did bring uh, my recorder and the DSLR to uh, capture that meetup. So you can check it out if you want. Like I mentioned, I'm going to answer a couple questions here. So Mike asked this, and I think I've answered a couple of Mike's questions in the past, but uh, here it is. Should you build more than one site in the same niche to take over more of the SERPs? SERPs stands for search engine result page. So for example, Mike says, uh, let's say I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change his example since I know that um, some people are in this niche. So I'll, I'll, I'll change it to something arbitrary. Let's say I have a site about wireless mice and I rank number one for best three button wireless mouse. So should I keep building sites that are in that same niche? So you could. I have heard people talk about this strategy before where basically you know a specific niche is a good one, you know keywords already, and why not just build multiple sites in that 
same niche. You can, you know, cross promote, you can link between the two potentially. So I think that is an okay strategy. I've never like executed it. I have heard people do that. And I think the sort of the economy of scale where you are working on the same thing multiple times, you can iterate, do a better job. You have more data across the two sites or more. So I think it is a valid way to do that. And you could just own more of, you know, page one for various terms. The secondary question that Mike asks is what I also says, would you also, if you had the confidence to start a whole site that is just about three button wireless mice, this site could also talk about some accessories that can be used with three button wireless mice or mouses or meese. I'm not sure (laughs) the the, uh, actual way to say that. I think it's mice, but let's move on aside from the plural, (laughs) the plural form of the made up site, because again, I just filled in some stupid example here. So basically he's asking, would I do a site that is super narrow? And the answer is, Probably not. I I enjoy the kind of work that I do. I like the internet marketing and niche sites and I like doing stuff. But you know, just like kicking up another site sounds like kind of boring to me, especially one that's super narrow. And I would prefer something that's just like can grow bigger. I would probably spend more time on the site that's already doing well versus like starting a very small site. Because if you play this out, this is what you end up with. So I have a site that's doing pretty well. I'm making money from it. And then I start creating smaller sites that generally just focus on a very small portion, a very small aspect of one of the products. And then maybe there are a hundred products that you could do that with. And you end up with a hundred of these little sites. And the problem is it's annoying to deal with the admin for each one of those little sites. It kind of sucks. It's boring. It's um, not very fun to me. You could, right? You could have maybe like some sort of a, a VA that specializes in helping you keep all the sites up to date as far as plugin updates, theme updates, WordPress updates, all the admin stuff. You also would have to pay for each one of the domains. And the, I know you didn't ask this specifically, Mike, but if you, like I said, if you play it out, right, you end up with a whole bunch of sites. Now, back in the day, like when I first started studying affiliate marketing and niche sites, there were several people who basically would create, I'm using air quotes, uh, like micro niche sites, right? Micro niche sites. And they would, they're like, Hey, if I can build one site that makes $1 a day, then I could build 400 and that is $400 per day. And if I just scale this out, it works. And it did work in 20, you know, 10 to 20, like 13 or so it kind of stopped working. Um, right when I got started in 2013, and my, my time frames may be a little bit off because I'm talking about things that happened before I was even aware of making money online. The point is there's a lot of overhead. It's boring work. 
I don't want to do boring work. I want to do more interesting things. So I've like branched out in different areas. This is not part of the answer to the question, but I've branched out in different areas that are more interesting to me, like this podcast or like YouTube videos or, you know, financial things, which I haven't done any specific episodes um, other than like my, you know, me driving an old truck around and the value of driving an old car and investing the money instead of spending it on a new fancier car with power locks and power windows, you know, who needs that? Or like a key fob, the keyless entry system. I've never had a car with that. If you can imagine weird, huh? I mean, even the shitty, you know, rental cars are going to have keyless entry, but anyway, the overhead, all the little admin, all that stuff, super boring. (laughs) And then when you play it out, it's just not fun. But the root of your question, Mike, yeah, if you're like, hey, this is a good niche, um, I'm going to create a whole other site, basically copy the keywords, maybe branch out a little bit. Um, I would encourage that, like branch out a little bit um, because if you own, you know, if you rank for different keywords and maybe there are there's a lot of overlap with the content, that's cool. You know, you could own more uh, real estate over there on page one, but at the same time, like you kind of want to rank uh, like number one for certain terms because that's going to bring in more traffic than if you um, rank number two for various, you know, terms. Probably going to be able to get, get that economy of scale and be able to make it worthwhile. Um, and you probably already have writers in place that are familiar with that content. You can just do more um, faster I think if you if budget is no object, then you could branch out that way. So, Mike, I hope that was helpful. Um, I think if you ask around and, and study a little bit um, with some Google searches, you probably can find some people that swear by it, that talk about, hey, if you if you find a good niche, then just try to saturate the market, build a bunch of sites out there. And I, I think I've seen this out there where, I see one site that looks super similar to another couple sites. And I, I'm like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if these three sites are all owned by the same person and they just kind of saturated the the whole market. So anyway, don't forget to check out Marty's other interviews if you want to hear the progression. Um, super cool. Congratulations to Marty for being able to leave his full-time job, an engineering gig. And a funny thing, there's a lot of engineers, there's a lot of IT kind of folks in the audience and a lot of the students in the course are indeed like engineers or in IT somehow. There's a big spread. I mean, there's uh, stay-at-home moms, there are construction workers, there's musicians, there's all sorts of folks out there, but probably because I came from the IT world, the audience self-selects and a lot of you that are listening to this are indeed in IT somehow or another. In IT, apparently, like many other careers out there, you know, people don't like it that much. So you end up trying to figure out side hustles and other things you could do in this sort of affiliate marketing where there's a little technical aspect I mean, it's perfect. Um, It's kind of fun to look at code every now and then. I understand some of the technical aspects of 
implementing uh, certain pieces of functionality on the site, trying to test it a little bit, knowing that there's going to be migration issues because no migration is clean. <laughs> we all know that. Nothing goes as smoothly as you think. And um, just that sort of testing mindset, that like process-oriented project management, all those sort of things that we learn in IT, like super helpful as you're working online. Big leg up for other, you know, compared to other people who maybe don't have any experience with the technical aspects of websites and all that. So anyway, Marty's crushing it out there. Thanks for joining me. And we will catch you on the next episode.